Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My Song Suck would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to the elders both past and present. Hello and welcome to My Song Suck, the show where we listen to bad songs from good writers. I'm Alex Smith and I'm a musician. I'm James Keogh and I'm the friend of a musician. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Song Suck. I'm James Keogh. I'm Alex Smith. And today we have a very special guest that I'm very excited for. Our guest today, she is a playwright, screenwriter, composer, and the uh, the absolute genius uh, behind the incredible musical Fangirls, uh, which debuted in 2019, has since gone on to tour around Australia in 2021, uh, receiving a well-deserved mountain of praise and accolades, including the 2019 Sydney Theatre Award for Best Main Stage Musical, the 2019 Matilda Award for the Best Musical or Cabaret, and 2020 Orgy Award for Musical Theatre. It is an honour to welcome to the show, Eve Blake. Wow, thanks for having me. Oh Thank my you for gosh. coming on. I should just pay you to follow me around. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, how are you doing, Eve? I'm so good. I, I'm coming to you from Melbourne, where, mm. I mean, I usually live in Sydney, and I just came here for a bit of a gallivant. <laughs> now I'm semi-stuck because Sydney mm. has just gone into lockdown, so... Yeah, I'm counting my lucky stars. It's 7 p.m. on a Monday night and I'm feeling alive. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a, a blessing in disguise, not, not being in, in Sydney at this time. I know, uh, for sure. I really feel for them. But yeah, that's me. How are you, James? I'm pretty well. I'm pretty good. Um, happy to have you on the show. Uh, Alex, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm going all right. Bloody, yeah, 7, 7 p.m. on a Monday. I've got <laughs> work tomorrow. Yeah, we should do more check-in. <laughs> on the show i like doing a little <laughs> check-in how are we all feeling we're all good <laughs> um i also have to admit i have no idea how this show works and i'm so excited for the adventure all good. i know is i sent you a demo of one of the songs from fangirls that i made mm. in 2016 and then i have sent you the finished song from uh, that we finished in march of this year 2021 so what Indeed. happens now so well let's just dive in so yes this demo that you've brought um do you want to talk about it talk about what fangirls is and maybe give a bit of context to what we're about to hear oh sure that's a great place to start <laughs> um okay so assuming that the person listening like you might ha- have no idea what fangirls is fangirls is a musical that i wrote because i became really interested in this one question which is why is it that, you know, if you think in your mind of the image of a 13 year old girl screaming her lungs out at say a Justin Bieber concert and tears are streaming down her face. I think it's really interesting that the words that might automatically come to mind are words like hysterical and crazy and even psycho and hormonal and over the top. 
but I became fascinated by what I perceived to be this double standard where if you take that image and you make it a young boy and he's screaming and tears are streaming down his face but it's at a footy match I feel like the words that people reach for are words like loyal and passionate and devoted and they call that the love of the game and I just became really interested in how you know the ways that we talk about teenage fangirls let's say and for me my initial fascination was fans of One Direction when they were still together in 2015 but I just became really interested in like the broad perception of uh, them as being largely young women and largely idiots and largely um, controlled by their emotions. Whereas to me, this was like, I, I mean, researching fangirls, I met some of the most like proficient, capable, intelligent, strategic young people I'd ever met. But also I feel like, basically, I feel like the way that the world talks about fangirls is kind of a microcosm of the way that the world tells young women lies about themselves so I thought I want to make a musical that's like the best pop concert you've never been to and is really fun and it's like this sparkly Trojan horse that seems like this musical comedy but actually in its gooey center is about yeah the question that I, that I raised like why do we talk to and about young women differently um, and I guess the final thing that I should add, and this song doesn't especially reflect it, mm. but the, the sound palette for the whole show is like, it's really pop inspired, but I wanted it to feel as high stakes as being a teenager feels, right? Like everything feels like life or death. So mm. across the score, you've got like big Olympics opening ceremony level drums. Um, and you've also, sometimes we've got like this texture that's like a girl's choir because, um, you know, I, I felt like when I was researching fangirls, it was like being welcomed into the church of Harry Styles. Does that make sense? And <laughs> totally. so it's, so in some tracks, you've got like these beautiful choral elements. But um, but yeah, this track in particular, without going into the depth of the story too much, there is a mm. key moment where now as it stands, there are two characters getting ready for the best night of their lives, which is the concert that they're about to attend of their favorite boy band. And what you need to know is like, these girls are in Australia. This boy band has never toured to Australia. They've been devoted to them for years and they're finally coming. These two girls are like mm, 14, 15, and they both independently have decided that now that they're in year nine, it's time to grow up. So one of them, Jules, is obsessed with looking hot and getting a boyfriend. And the other one, Brianna, is really, um, she's really kind of preoccupied with how, uh, like whether or not she's seen as one of the pretty girls in the year, which probably sounds really basic, but I feel like that's a huge theme in this show is like how we tell young women to look at their bodies. So mm. I wanted a song that was like, obnoxious and fun and comes right at the end of act one and it's just these two girls caring way too much about what they look like and preparing for this concert amazing all right well oh, let's yeah. take a listen this is the oh wait wait before Ooh. we hit play may yep. i preface what like <laughs> <laughs> do it go for it yeah absolutely I apologize for it but i feel like me just jumping right in there um the, this version this first version mm. is from 2016 and yep. what you need to know is at that time I was like a baby playwright but I had <laughs> never really made music before and to this day I don't play a musical instrument so what you're hearing is someone who spent a couple of months on YouTube learning how to use Ableton beginning <laughs> some really bad vocal processing I think everything sounds doubled um I found like one sample of a synth and I've just used it to death. And this is certainly before uh, 
I knew much about the importance of hooks in choruses. So take that with you, listener, and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a listen. This is the demo of Night of Our Lives. New dress. Tube. Old t-shirt I haven't washed. Flower crown! No Brianna! Tonight's the best night of our lives. The everything changes night of our lives. The most important night of our lives. And tonight's gonna be the best night of our lives. Months planning this appearance. Nail polish from Target, half price clearance. Made this crown, bought a special glue. The wire cuts my scalp, but you don't know that. Four weeks of Clearasil, deal with it. Saved up and I bought a home waxing kit. Bought legged and I can almost do up my zip. Just shaped it in the shower like an airstrip. Tonight's gonna be the best night of my life. Wow, Bree's actually gorgeous. Night of my life. Wow, Bree's so good at hair. Night of my life. Wow, she should be a model. Who aren't in the band I don't think they have any straight male fans Not the fans, think of the girls who are ten Who they gotta drag along to chaperone them Hot big brothers, hot big brothers I sniff them out, push past the drunk mothers And I'll be like, yo, this show is so lame He's like, yeah, whoa, I know, right, same But your boob tube's so crazy hot, it's insane Just pull the tube if you don't have boobs, just saying I get a phone number, then I get a first date But not before we grind and I kiss him on the face If he's a stun, I take a selfie Then we go to second base, eat my dust, bitch Ooh, baby, how you like the taste? Tonight's gonna be the best night of my life The night everyone talks about Night of my life Wow, Jules is such a slut Night of my life I'm so jealous of her Right, and that's where they get interrupted by a scene But yeah, that's the first demo of that song I love it. It's so good. It's great. And you mentioned like beforehand how this is you after a few months cracking into Ableton, getting on the tutorials. What was it that made you go, okay, I'm going to make this thing. And it's even though I'm, I haven't, don't know music and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to make this into a musical. I'm going to write all these songs. Where did that all come from? That's a fair question. I mean, look, here's the thing. Since I was like tiny, I was always making up songs. But mm. I tried to learn a few musical instruments like growing up to no avail. So it started with euphonium in year three school band. Year three, year four, they, they gave me the euphonium and I was truly the smallest kid in the year. So I was just like <laughs> lugging this thing around and playing like one F sharp in a Star Wars medley. Like it wasn't good. Um, and then I, and then what happened? Oh, and then I tried to play piano for a bit, but after a year, all I could play is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star because I just never practiced. And then I did music in year seven and I picked it up as an elective in year eight. But in order to do that, you had to play an instrument. And so my school said, we'll pick up guitar, it's easy. But then in like this twist of irony, you know, the year and the end of the year comes around and it's time to do like a practice exam, um, a practical exam we have to play. And sure enough, like the only song I could play was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> so um, after that, I, I picked it again in year nine because I loved music. And mm. my year nine music teacher called me to the music department the first day of school and she was like, listen, I know you want to do music, but do you think that's really a good idea? if you can't play an instrument. And so I took the hint and I just, I switched to commerce. So I kind of always, you know, since 14, the age of these girls, I thought maybe like 
I had all these songs in my head, but I had no way to print them out with my hands, right? Mm. I had no, I had no way to show people what I was thinking of. And then when I was about, I think 2021, I started to figure out that some people just use software on their computer. And so I submitted a grant saying, you know, I, I really want to make this musical. The idea had come to me in 2015 and mm. I got, I was awarded this grant in 2016 which was in association with the Australian Theatre for Young People and, and was sponsored by Rebel Wilson. And it mm. basically just like funded someone under 26 to make their dream project for a, for a year. And I pitched this saying, if you pay me, I will make this musical. And then when I got the money, I thought, oh, I now need to know how to do that. <laughs> so I spent, I spent a lot of that year just watching YouTube tutorials of like sweaty teenage boys um, in their bedrooms explaining to me how to make beats. <laughs> and I, yeah, I guess it was me going, I've, I've tried learning instruments and I have found that impossible. So this is me climbing through a window because I can't go through the front door. It's a great way that um, at this point in history allowed you to have this happen. Like if you, if you were in the same position back in like the fifties. Oh, yeah. I'd be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd probably, I mean, I also, there's a bunch of rights that I wouldn't have as well. So like I think you know the thought of writing a musical would be challenging for a lot of a lot of reasons. But yeah, no, you're absolutely. I'm so lucky now that I yeah I can and truly it isn't until about a year ago that I got a MIDI keyboard and I can't play piano. But but all of that is to say that like until then I've just been figuring out chords and beats and everything on my quirky keyboard. Mm. Um, it's kind of absurd that that I'm able to do like to to write this whole musical and i all i've needed really is a laptop mm, that's amazing hell yeah my technology is it's amazing <laughs> isn't it yeah. <laughs> with this demo by the time this this demo kind of you've got it there and you've made it what what part of the process are you up to you know did you start story first then pad it out with, with songs or did you go i've got these songs and now i'm going to make a story that kind of connects them all how did it all happen Oh, that's a really good question because this is my first musical, right? Mm. So I didn't have a, I didn't really have a strategy. I knew some key tent poles of what was going to happen in the story. So for anyone listening, the key story of Fangirls, what you need to know is this, follows a protagonist who's this 14-year-old girl called Edna. And she's like um, really awkward and a bit of a misfit. But the good thing is she's got, like she's found two best friends who just totally get her. The bad news is, that it's the start of year nine and they both decided that Edna is, is too immature and she needs to grow up because Edna is madly in love with Harry. And Harry is in the world's biggest boy band, has no idea she exists. But for Edna, she's like certain that like her love for Harry isn't frivolous, it's real. And she doesn't just, because because she doesn't just love him because he's famous, she loves him despite the fact that he's famous. And she has a theory that he's actually secretly depressed in his boy band, a very kind of free Britney situation. She mm. believes he's trapped and she, that she alone can free him. So Fangirls is the story of Edna stopping at nothing to um, make sure Harry knows that she exists, but more than that, free him from the band. And then it, it gets quite diabolical. And I knew the kind of key events concerning Edna. And I had sort of plotted out where the songs and scenes would go. But at this stage, I think most of the scenes were dot points. And so the songs were quite broad too. And, and in the demo that people have just heard, this is mm. when I thought that aside from Edna, oh, and there's a key detail. Edna believes that going to this concert they're going to go to is essential in her plan. And so she, she blackmails one of her friends 
into getting tickets and then that friend retaliates by getting tickets for everyone but Edna Mm -hmm. and so as an audience we watch as Edna spirals into like a really dark depression and we think that everything's going to go wrong for, for her and there's a twist but anyway this is the song where it's all of her friends despite her getting ready for this concert and in th- this at this stage I thought there was going to be like three best friends mm. and maybe a year or two later I realized that's just like a lot of people to keep track of like that's a <laughs> lot of threads for a two and a half hour musical mm. so uh, you know this was me I guess yeah I did I did write all of the songs and then realized I had to write the scenes and then realized I had to completely rewrite all of the songs. <laughs> why the lyrics in the, like the song you'll hear at the end of the episode are so different because by mm. then I figured out that like, okay, in order to track the two characters in this song, maybe it's easier if they have one verse each as opposed to chatting to each other across all of the verses. And maybe their lyrics can be a little more attached to what they've been searching for in the show. Um, and, and, you know, in the song you hear at the end of the episode, it kind of goes into these two other spaces. So one is this space where the girls get high on Red Bull and um, kind of get possessed and decide not to care about Edna. But then there's this final space where will you check in with Edna, who, like, for the audience's help, um, you hear her and she's speaking to her mother and you just have to imagine that at this point in the show, you're looking at our protagonist who you think, unfortunately, a trigger warning, but you think she's going to really hurt herself or take her life. And mm-hmm. so that's what you believe is happening in this song. And I guess the intention there was to have this obnoxiously upbeat song to really break our hearts because our girl has been absolutely stepped over. And hopefully the effect is that you feel like, how can you go without her? But also the beat is so good that you're like, damn it, this is <laughs> No. Begrudgingly no. pumping your fist to the yes. song. Yeah. Damn it. Conflict. That's what theater's all about. <laughs> were there many of those things when you're sort of changing, you know, writing the song and then figuring out you have to change the story? Did you have to sort of kill your darlings a little bit in terms of good lines or good oh. bits that you had to cut out? James, so much. <laughs> I often feel like I could write, I could just publish a book of all the, my favorite lyrics that didn't go in. No one would read it. It would be like the biggest white girl poetry book ever. Like, um, yeah. And, and also, and I can't believe I haven't even mentioned this yet, but, but I had this key collaborator that came into the picture after the demo we just heard. And his name's David Muratori. And he's an incredible producer music producer so he came onto the project in like late 2016 and has stayed with it ever since Mm. um but you can imagine like I went into the studio and had him produce out full tracks like yeah yeah yeah, this is done only to realize like no I have to entirely scrap that song Dave sorry that you spent a month on that and (laughs) like we now like towards the end of our collaboration Mm. I learned that like actually there is value in me making a demo that's just my voice and maybe one MIDI instrument underneath it. If you're sure. listening, you don't know what MIDI is, it's like a language that says type like that translates what you type on keys into notes in your computer, right? So so like one computer instrument and my voice. But like at the beginning that was not the case. So I would give him a demo with like 24 different instruments and he would fully flesh it out. But we we slowly learned that you have to draw in stick figures and you 
<laughs> don't believe a song's in the show um, <laughs> until you're in rehearsals. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like how much of this show was about that sort of collaboration? Was it just you and your producer? Were you collaborating with, with other people as well? Oh, yes. I mean, that's a great question. So two other really key collaborators is I worked with, so I mentioned like the choral stuff. And mm. so I worked with a vocal arranger named Alice Chance, and she is extraordinary. Actually, in the final version, you'll totally get to hear her work because anytime the characters harmonize or right at the end, there's like what I would call a lasagna, right? You've got all these different characters singing vocal lines on top of each other. And so anyone who's never heard of band girls won't recognize those lines. But at this point in the show, it's our final song of act one and so right at the end you're going to hear different actors singing lines that you have heard across the first act and they all click together in this satisfying way mm. and my collaboration with Alice was so important because I I can kind of guess at harmonies so I could send her a demo and it might have like what like a lead and two two harmonies with it but she would kind of take those two harmonies and turn them into five or seven or she'd go you know what like if you just take this one note in that line and put it here, you get this crunch or you get this tingle. And she, she's like this mathematician. So I worked with her. She was amazing. I worked with Dave and I also worked with another key collaborator called Jonathan Ware. He was my dramaturg. And if oh, you cool. don't know what a dramaturg is, if you're listening, it's a fabulous German word that sounds like dramaturg, but <laughs> it means it's basically like a story architect so Johnny would sit and listen to my demos and he would frequently be like, Eve, I love this demo, but your bridge is two minutes long and you have said the same thing across four lyrics and they are each pretty, but in a theatre, like we get it, like we got to move on. And he was like, he would also look at my scenes and he'd cut them down and he, he like, I think it's, you know, it's possible that he would have heard he probably was the person who gave me the note, like, hey, listen, like this, this chorus is demented tonight, the best night of our lives. But like, what happens if you give it a melody? And what could that melody be? Um, so yeah, he's also, he's also, I guess his role sometimes is very life coachy in that way. He's like, he's totally like, or no, or just like a sports coach. He's like, get back on the field, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're my kind of key collaborators. And I should also totally acknowledge the director of the show, Paige Rattray, who became mm. kind of a co-dramaturg, you know, because she would put things on their feet. And then, gosh, so there was a version of this that existed on stage in 2019. And then I changed the lyrics for the 2021 tour of Bad Girls because this is one of the only moments in the show when Edna, the main character, is mm. off stage in the first act. She's constantly on stage panting. And I played Edna in the 2019 version. So I would sit and it's one of the only moments where I could just listen and I could hear that where the, act, the actors were having to do so much physical stuff in this scene, like in the actual show, there was, there's like this light up bed and they're jumping on it and they're throwing clothes at each other. It's, it's insane. But I noticed in the 2019 version, I gave them almost no chances to breathe. And so actually the audience <laughs> couldn't catch the words super clearly. And so for 2021, I totally changed some lyrics just so those the, the new actresses could take a breath right. and get the laughs that they totally deserve um, because that was very hard in 2019. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned uh, the, the difficulty of 2019. Obviously, it was more, uh, I think, December that COVID started kicking off, but obviously um, 
it's had a big effect on the world. How has the pandemic affected uh, the show? It's an interesting question because um, so in 2019 we had our we were really lucky we had a show in Brisbane and then in Sydney like our two premiere seasons mm. and then the intention was to tour in 2020 but all of that became postponed to 2021 mm. and it meant that we actually got this strange year to just take a breath I was extremely burned out after the first season mm. but it it weirdly afforded me more time to get some distance and and really make changes for the 2021 tour mm. um and so I think that the show benefited in that way and and it also during the pandemic I um I was feeling really sad that we'd had this 2019 season sorry or 2019 season that had gone so well but there was just no way during that season with everyone's schedule to pull an album together and I did right. not know how to do that because I knew that to do it correctly would cost tens of thousands of dollars which I didn't have I asked people to invest and no one was interested because they don't albums don't make money right mm. And so I couldn't figure out how to do it. And then when the pandemic hit, I just ended up calling all the cast who by then were my friends. And I was like, look, I don't have this money. And I could go to like an old boomer and ask for it. Or would we all, would you all consider donating your time in exchange for like a much better back end than, you know, a cast ordinarily would get in the cast album? And should we just fringe theater this? Like, should we just scrap together and make this album because we all really believe in it? And across, I think, nine months because of border closures, we just, we, you know, when the Queenslanders could come into Sydney, we got them in, we recorded <laughs> them. When the Melbournians could, we, and it's just like me and Dave, the music producer, spent nine months almost every single week in this tiny studio he rents in Marrickville, no windows, like mattresses on the wall, mm. um, and, and slaved over this cast album, which we released in April this year. So mm. I, that, I, that's, I guess, what happened. And then, mm. and then we went on tour this year, and I just can't believe now that like Sydney's back into lockdown and Melbourne has had one, but we just had this really lucky map where we, every city we were in, we were able to perform to like 75 to 100% capacity. By the end, we were performing in Melbourne to 900 people a night, no masks. Awesome. Um, 100% capacity. So, so I feel like we were insanely lucky. Yeah, that's incredible. I love the idea of just like making the album happen however you can, despite despite you know any, uh, you know making it work. That's that's so cool. Oh my god! I mean, it almost drove us insane. But yeah, <laughs> it was worth it. And what I hope, I mean, yeah, when I hear it, I haven't listened to it that much since, right? But but mm. but. What I hope that listeners can think about when they hear this is like every synth, every voice in the background, every drum is something that me and Dave, the producer, sat in the studio with these speakers just blaring like until two in the morning, just going like, oh, I think one of the altos is slightly flat. And then you'd have to isolate that track and then slightly tune that note or be like, oh, is one of the sopranos just like a little bit too loud? Do we take some of her, her top end frequency off? Like every thread in that tapestry was like individually mm. <laughs> um, refined by us. It's the, the amount of painstaking detail yeah. is indescribable. But yeah, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And I mean, like one thing that's super cool about fangirls is that it has its own fangirls. You have your <laughs> own like league of fan accounts and fans. everything that were you know they've been clamoring for this this cast recording and now now they have it and yeah it's so cool to see the outpouring of support for the 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 show it's it's just 
the best. It's just this really great, I'd love to speak to it. Like yeah, please. when I made this show, you have to understand, like I, the whole time I was just fighting this voice being like, how dare you? Like, you don't play a musical instrument. You can't play <laughs> the piano like Tim Minter. What are you doing, clown? You can't even sing tunefully. Like you're flat most of the time, clown. Like, like <laughs> this voice being like, what the hell? And also in the beginning being like, listen, you are 23 and have never written a musical before. And now you are trying to, you're going to try you're really going to try and sell to middle-aged male producers a show about little girls. You're really going to try and sell them a show effectively about One Direction, huh? <laughs> and like after years of self-doubt to now log on to Twitter and see people just making really specific memes about one passing moment in the show where some like background character does something. It's, <laughs> I can't describe it, like to see people thrill to it in that way, but also... I guess the show is uh, is about like it's about the lies that we tell young women and young people. Mm. Um, but it's also like it is try it's trying to vindicate them. It's a love letter to like having big feelings and expressing yourself when you're a teenager. And um, I've given like a, a uh, like a TEDx talk about the show, and in that I talk about how I kind of feel like you know fangirls and and fan people's abil ability to to love things without apology, I think is like a superpower, you know, that's why I had to write about this is I like, I don't, mm. I don't know many adults who know how to do that, you know, mm. who, who know how to express their love for something without like qualifying it or disqualifying it. Like, and I just, I, I really love the community that has gathered around this show because also like, I mean, I could talk to the cows come home, but there's like this group chat. And I found on Twitter that someone had made a Google document logging all of the private jokes in the group chat so that if you wanted to join <laughs> and someone referenced something and you felt left out, you could see this and you could feel let in. And just like the lengths that they go to to make sure everyone feels included. And I see people tweeting about like, I got this in an assignment. And then all of the other people in the community will, will chip in and be like, yeah, go. And oh, it's just, I, so I just incredible. I had that. I had that when I was a teenager. You yeah, know? and I I never can feel like I'm responsible for it. I just feel like I'm um I'm just so lucky to get to witness it. Totally. I'm, I feel like I'm so stoked they want to hang out with me. I'm like me, really? <laughs> wow, thanks guys. <laughs> you I didn't say guys. I'm trying to unlearn that. Thanks, peeps. Mm. It's amazing that you've managed to foster such a, a wholesome and positive community because I, it's so often that you see a lot of fandom uh, fandoms can become really toxic and terrible do you know how you did that or what <laughs> what you avoided so yeah i mean look um I th that's a funny one to answer because it's interesting when i first started researching fangirls i and i'm really open about this i had a lot of internalized misogyny that i didn't even realize like i assumed that that if i was going to write a show about fangirls it was going to be like this um Oh, what's the phrase when you say like a tale of warning? Like it's a cautionary tale. Cautionary tale, yeah. Right, about what happens when I assumed at the beginning it was going to be a cautionary tale about what happens mm. when we um, condition young women to destroy each other and compete for the validation of like a pop star. And mm. I thought it was all going to be about competition and like girls getting out to get each other. And, and I've spoken a few times about how the original ending involved the protagonist dying at the hands of other fangirls oh, wow. as if like 
as this supposedly as this like critique of how we tell young women to view themselves and each other mm. but then the more research i did i was like i am wrong that is what a lot of people would like me to think about fangirls because it's like spicy and gory and like mm. like women will only destroy themselves and they're all victims to their emotions but it's like there's something more interesting and i think that the show really tries to say that and tries to say like um, it tries to acknowledge the way that we talk to young women and people about themselves and, and what we try to make them think about themselves, but it also celebrates their true power. And there's like this this character in the show that is named Salty Pringles, and they are the online best friend of the lead character. And they their mission throughout the show, they're like an avid fanfic author and like conspiracy theorist. But the whole show, they just want to take care of everyone in the fandom. You know, they just mm-hmm. want to make sure everyone's having a good time. And I feel like it's beautiful because the community online are all little salty Pringles and they're just out <laughs> looking, taking care of each other. And they're so funny. I could never be as funny as them. I love them. That's awesome. And there you go. Like goes to show if you do your research on when you're creating something, you just create something that is a more fuller, more like true narrative. And it feels like that's, that's definitely the case there where you've sort of dove into this world and found something even better than you thought that you would find. And I just think as well, I always say this, but it would be so, it would have been so easy for me to just write a show about mm. how absurd fangirls are or just write a show that only defends them. And I was like, what happens if I can do both? Like what happens if I can make a show that gets you to laugh at these kids only to cry with them? And like, that's more interesting and spicy, right? Mm. So that was a goal. That was a goal. But you know, as I talk about all of this, it's funny because we, we're so lucky we've had this Australian tour, but right now we're, you know, in the middle of trying to effectively bring it back, whether that's here or overseas. And there's lots of offers and options, but we're in the middle of a Pandora, like who knows what will happen. <laughs> but as I say all of this and I, I play you the, the first and now this, this final draft, I don't mm. even know that that's the final draft. Like I don't even know that I won't keep changing it because right. I think something that's amazing too is like with this, um fandom they are so smart and they're so politically aware and the the characters i've written in the show have a much lower level of political awareness because i'm writing based on my memory of being a teenage girl Mm. um which which was not as politically advanced and like it's interesting it might be that in future versions actually the show changes inspired by the people who've responded to it Mm. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. You got to give young people credit. They're, they're oh my God. more powerful than you could ever imagine. They are smarter than all of us. <laughs> One thing you uh, mentioned briefly that I want to come back to, and I think is a really good thing to touch on, is when you were talking about, you know, being 23, not having written a musical and that self-doubt, what was it that, that allowed you to kind of give yourself this, the permission to start, the permission to mm. say, yeah, I am going to write a musical about this. I think this is important. I feel like I've got two answers to that. So one is that, frankly, when I, I when I won that grant, I was like, oh, well, now I have to. Sure. And I remember, like, truly right preceding that, I was so burned out and down on myself. And I had li- I'd just finished, well, I'd been living in London for three years. And I, I was making, like, one-woman shows of all things, which is wild to me now because I have no interest in performing <laughs> whatsoever now. Um, but, yeah, that's what I did in my early 20s. 
and I was invited on a tour of uh, I like a sh- I did a show in Sydney and then a regional tour of New South Wales with that with one of my works. And I was out in Australia and I just did not want to go back to London because I was so tired of hustling mm. and I just didn't I didn't believe in myself at all. But someone said, you know, apply for this grant and I did. And then when I got it, I suddenly felt this rush of relief because I realized that now people said, so what are you doing at the moment? I'd be like, oh, well, I just got this money from Rebel Wilson. <laughs> and I realized that I suddenly could give myself permission to do something because I felt that there, it had this like sticker of legitimacy. Mm. And I remember thinking, hey, that's, that's messed up because really I should have been able to give myself that sticker anyway. I should have just yeah. been able to say, no, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to nine to five write this and I'm going to work in a, in a cafe uh, on the other days. And uh, like, I could have given myself that permission, mm. but I think, yeah, being able to, being able to like excuse it by saying, no, 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 no. But someone told me that I could mm. is, is frankly what catalyzed it. But then sometimes people say, did you lose faith and what kept you going? And my answer to that is always like, I think it was seeing like, Along the way, some people got really excited about it, especially women. They're like, oh, my God, this. But some people really didn't get it. And I think that it was comments like having older, usually older men, Mm. uh, exclusively older men. (laughs) I love this idea. It's just so sexy. That made uh. me go, no, <laughs> and make me write faster and harder because I was like, I need to show you <laughs> that that is not what this is about. <laughs> actually, like, I don't know. Sometimes I say to people, if you feel like you can't do this and that no one believes you can do this, can you use that as rocket fuel? Like, can you use that as petrol on your self-doubts and be like, and that is why I'm mm. going to show them. <laughs> I mean, spite. you can't live on like FU juice forever, but you can do part of the race on FU juice. Right. So, yeah. You, you know. got to have some spite in there. You know, it, it helps. It's, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like in the early days you had quite a bit of like imposter syndrome the kind of thing of like oh why do I think I can do this and is has that lessened like I feel like you've had a lot of great success oh my gosh okay I I think it's lessened only in that I now know factually that I have somehow conned a lot of people into (laughs) making this show into like a national tour Mm. and I have I uh, but like you know, and I know now that I've sat in a theater and I've seen these giant LED, like Beyonce screens, just like, so I know that I can never not know that. But of course, like now that I've written that, I'm like, how the hell did I do (laughs) all of that? 23 songs. And people are like, what do you work on next? I'm like, um, figuring out how to do that again. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I, I think also, I, I really do think the older that I get the easier I find it to not hate myself I think I was really hard on myself in my early 20s and Mm. a lot of people would give me feedback like oh my god you're always working all the time things are always happening but that was a hundred percent fueled by a fear that if I don't prove to everyone that everything's going great that um I won't have value so I I think I think I'm gentler with myself the Mm. older that I get but for sure like all the time I'm like really like me with my qwerty keyboard what 
You know, if someone's like, oh, go to an, go to the A minor key. I just blink at them. I'm like, the what? What's that? You have to play me those notes. And then I go, oh, you mean the spooky chord? And I'm just saying, I don't know if A minor is spooky. I'm completely making it up. Like, I, I truly am an idiot. But I think the key is you, like, I'm a musical idiot, but like, I, that's okay. I'll just surround myself with really smart musicians and we can mm. make something cool. And that's what happened on Fangirls. It's like Dave and Alice and Johnny and Paige, everyone, they are geniuses. And so, yeah, if I can just get away with being the glue, I'll just keep doing that. Hell yeah. Nice. Yeah. To, to cap us off, if 2021 Eve could tell start of the process, start of Fangirls, 2016, was it Eve? Yes. Uh, anything. What would you say? Oh my god! I, I can't tell her it's gonna take five years. Oh yeah, don't don't tell her that. I can't tell her that. Do you know what I would say? I would say this is gonna be really hard, but the very best part of this is that if you keep going and if you just like find a way to keep enjoying this, this is gonna bring the best people into your life. And I think like for me, like yeah, that's that's been the best part of this is like this version of it. You're about to hear, you're about to hear these incredible two actors, Chicken Cogway and Tim Hodgson. And then like the, the ensemble as well. You, Oh my God, you're going to hear Sharon Millerchip who, who plays Edna's mother, but like, and, and the, the music, like you, you're hearing Alice vocal arranger, just like go off and, and Dave's production and, um, and, uh, you know, and then of course, like the work has brought like the, the fandom into my life and all these incredible individuals. And I think like, if anyone listening to this is in the middle of a project and you're just like, no, I can't do this. Just think of the legends that they could bring into your life. Um, because I think if you, if you try and run on like glory, like, Oh, if I do this, I might get glory and prizes and everyone might care about me. Like that's hollow. That doesn't, uh, I, yeah, I, I can't do things for that reason, but I can do things because I know that like some little legend is going to, is going to, smash like I, I can finish a song because i know that some little legend will smash singing it you know so yeah. that's what i would tell her is like there's you're gonna be replete with legends if you just keep going amazing so let's have a listen to uh the final version but before we do where can people find all of the songs on the al- on the album on the album yes everywhere spotify <laughs> apple music youtube you name it please stream the album um, because streams matter and um, also everyone on the album is so gifted. <laughs> and speaking of albums, Alex, you have a new album out as well, don't you? Well, thank you, I do. It, it took four years. It's called Slow Burn and it's also on Spotify. If you, you probably listened to this on Spotify. So you got, you, you're here, you got time. Such you got a... so many places on Spotify to go. Hit yeah. up the yes, Band on. Girls cast album. Hit up <laughs> Slow Burn. Head over to YouTube. See the new uh, animated, music video for A Line, for Alex's song A Line. It's like animated. It's so cool. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> go check out Fan Girls more. That's yes. The, <laughs> yeah, the guest. And Eve, where can people find you if they want to go and see all the cool things that you do? Oh, easy. I am on the Twitter and the Instagram, and um, I'm at Eve Blake, but Eve is spelled with a Y, Y Z E. But also go to the Instagram and TikTok and Twitter of Fangirls Musical. That's one word. I think on mm-hmm. Twitter it's Fangirls Talk. Someone else has Fangirls Musical. If anyone it. knows that person, we would love that handle, please. Um, yeah. But. Uh, go check that out, especially Twitter, because you're going to see retweets of the amazing community around the show, and they 
are so funny. <laughs> so do that. Amazing. Alex, where can people find you? Oh, just your man, Alex Smith, on everything. Very good. Uh, you can find the show at My Song Suck on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow us there if you want, you know, updates on more episodes. If you want to keep listening to us. And we're also obviously you're listening to us somewhere on the internet so you can see all the other episodes here at that same place, whether nice. it's Spotify or wherever. Nice. A good thing that I said, and I know how words <laughs> work. Let's have a listen. Uh, this is the final version of Night of Our Lives. Thank you, Eve, so much for coming onto our show. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. New skirt. J-string I stole from mum Flower crown No, Brianna Tonight's gonna be the best night of our lives The everything changes night of our lives The most important night of our lives Yeah, tonight's gonna be the best night of our lives, bitch Fifteen weeks, picking what to wear I planned my makeup, practiced my hair this crown. I bought a special glue. The wire cuts my scalp, but beauty is pain. It's worth it for the pics I'll be taking tonight. It's worth it for the way they'll be changing my life. Cause when I post these pics, everyone will be like, whoa, wait, Brianna isn't that ugly. Tonight's gonna be the best night of my life. The wild breeze actually gorgeous. Night of my life. The wild breeze not that flat. Night of my life. Brie could actually be a model. Night of my life. Bitch. I'm just in for the boys who aren't in the band. I don't think any straight male fans. Not the fans. Think of the girls who are ten. Who they're gonna drag along to chaperone them. Hot big brothers, hot big brothers. I sniff them out, push past the drunk mothers and I'd be like, yo, the show is so lame. He's like, yeah, whoa, I know, right? Same, but in that skirt, you look so hot, it's insane. But won't your mum be like, right there? Then he'll ask me on a date. Then I'll be like, okay, babe. Then he'll kiss me on the Maybe go to second base, ace, ace. Tonight's gonna be the best night of my life. The night everyone talks about the night of my life. The wild jewels are such a slut. Night of my life, I'm so jealous of her. Night of my life, Brie. What? Why are you being weird? I just, I feel a bit bad. It's not our fault. But Jules, Edna really loves Harry. <sighs> I changed my mind. Let's drink the Red Bulls now. It's just, last time I had it, it made me a bit seizure Brianna, there will never be another night like tonight. We're never going to be this young or hot or happy ever again in our whole lives. You think I look hot? I, uh, yeah. Heaps. <sighs> I'm vinegar, I'm balsamic Call a therapist, I'm devastating I'm traumatic, call your mum like Why can't I be that fierce? Use your fugly ugg boots to dry your tears Sorry, it just occurred to me As a courtesy, I should warn you Just got you all sick with jealousy First symptom is being obsessed with me Second symptom, anal bleeding Me and my comrade We're the squad you wish you had You wanna be like us so you feel really bad And then you put like, oh my god Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, so correct, Maxi Pad. <laughs> Wait, are you okay? 
I've never felt better. Tonight's gonna be the best night of our lives. The everything changes night of our lives. The most important night of our lives. Yeah, tonight's gonna be the best night of our lives, bitch. Oh my god, we look so hot. Say what you want, you've got no clue just how sorry you're all gonna be when I am gone from your tiny world. Just you wait and see. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.